Welcome back or welcome to the Single Track Podcast. I'm your host, Finn Melanson, and this episode is part of our pre-race interview series for the 2023 Ultra Trail Cape Town 100K, taking place this coming Saturday, November 25th in Cape Town, South Africa. In this conversation, we talk with Lindsay McDonald, a member of the Aravipa Racing Team based in Flagstaff, Arizona. Before we get started, though, thanks to Knack for sponsoring this series. Knack is the official nutrition sponsor of Singletrack and is offering listeners a special deal where you can use code SINGLETRACK15 at checkout for 15% off your next order. Also, thanks to Rabbit. Rabbit is the official apparel sponsor of Singletrack, and you can head over to their website and use code SINGLETRACK20 at checkout for 20% off your next order there. With that, let's get on to the conversation with Lindsay McDonald. Lindsay McDonald, it's great to have you on the Single Track Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Finn. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you here. And I got to ask you a question that is totally irrelevant to Cape Town First, and uh, it's about Fantasy Free Trail. I noticed that you took top 10 in the picks for Javelina last month, and that's pretty impressive, but also pretty hardcore because I know a lot of the people that regularly top 10 in that, and they're, they're encyclopedias. So I got to ask, would you consider yourself to be sort of an ultra running nerd? Yeah, I think I think just I border on that nerd nerd status. Um, I'm a stats person. I I don't hold it too closely, but I like to look at all of it and kind of let it percolate and then settle. Um, and then yeah, it's 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 a it's a mix of stats and luck. So um, yeah, it's it's. I mean, I guess it's kind of like gambling, but it's fun for me. <laughs> I'm terrible at it, but I, I still participate. I should I should insert real quick. Um, yeah. The friend who I am going to Cape Town with won Fantasy Free Trail last year. They had that big prize package of really? an entry, airfare, and hotel. Um, and that's who I'm going with. So you really should interview the, um, the boss of Fantasy Free Trail. And that's probably the best prize package Fantasy's ever seen, I imagine. And what's, sorry, what's their name? Um, his name's Matt Hadley. He's also from Kansas City. I don't know yeah. how he won that. It's crazy. He didn't even know. I had to text him. I was like, you're going to Cape Town next year, and I'm coming to <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we have to start having him on for preview episodes because he, he can be the oracle of predictions. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, also, I mean, this is your first time on the pod, so I think it's it's good to do some background. I was uh, sort of scoping your LinkedIn and saw that you you have sort of like a marketing background, but also you, you spend a lot of time in the running industry in addition to uh, to being an athlete yourself. So talk about that. Yeah, so I was in the um, advertising world. I, I have a design and marketing degree, and then I worked for three different ad agencies here in Kansas City. So from there, I had a lot of kind of um, part-time jobs stacked on top of that, kind of looking for a way out of corporate America. I now um, self-employed and work for myself. So um, I put in a lot of, you know, those, those 50, 60 hour set, I don't know, big, big weeks working two, three jobs. Um, I worked as a race timer and course marker on weekends uh, for a few years. I, I worked with, um, for a couple of weeks over in London, helping with the Adidas, that's how you say it in Europe, <laughs> merchandising team for their um, London Marathon store. Um, and I also had a small like contracted job with ASICs, um, kind of being on the ground merchandising assistant. So um, yeah, just kind of checked out a lot of different um, avenues and dipped my toes in a lot of different types of marketing rounds. And yeah, I learned a lot and jumped out on my own in 2017 and have been self-employed as kind of a digital marketing consultant ever since then. 
Have you enjoyed the business side of the sport as much as the actual physical activity or is there a difference there? It's really intriguing to me. I do love um, kind of the tea on the marketing sides, the different different directions that super shoes and the marketing tactics that go with that are fascinating. Um, I don't know what's going to hit us next, but this, this new concept of what single use or two time use super shoes yeah. is fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's intriguing. It's also, I think it also makes you um, a little pessimistic on representing brands at the same time. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. You're kind of like, well, I'm a, I'm a, you know, just another part of their marketing ploy. So like Machine. being very careful at who you actually associate with and represent. Yeah. Well, we'll have to probably do a whole episode on that at some point, but uh, maybe one more question. How'd you land in Flagstaff? That is a good question. I actually have only been there two and a half years. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm from here in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, I took a roundabout way to trail running. I ran for a small NAI school here in Kansas City. And I was a walk-on. I played soccer in high school and just ran for fun. I ran a marathon in um, high school for fun because I was partially my my origin story of running was more of kind of a disordered eating. Um, it was it was not necessarily healthy when I started running, but college helped me turn it into something much healthier, which is sort of counterintuitive to a lot of people's college stories. I, I had for the first time yeah. role models that showed me, you know, running quickly requires a lot of fuel and it requires like losing that grasp on control in terms of overtraining and under eating. Um, so, so yeah, then I, after, after college, I dabbled in um, the road scene, a very average road runner, but we still have trails here in Kansas city. We have pretty, easy access to trail systems. They're not extensive, but I always was on trails, even in college, um, because I found them more stimulating than running long runs on roads. So I would do a lot of um, my long runs still on trails, even in college. And then, I don't know, I mean, my husband and I both work for ourselves. um, And when I was freed up from the corporate world in a traditional nine to five, we started exploring Uh, different locations for like a month or two we'd travel and we'd work remotely so you know we'd we'd go to austin for a few months i love austin texas um went there twice we went to phoenix so i got close to flagstaff i never visited flagstaff and then in 2019 uh, we did a two-month kind of like altitude stint in flagstaff um and i just began to dip my toes in this mountain running and it it was it was wild i never really felt um kind of that intrigued but also like way out of my comfort zone and some of those runs that I did they were just I mean the the trails aren't particularly difficult in comparison to you know European trails but we do have some pretty technical gnarly terrain and I would map out these routes and just get rocked and I'd be like wow I have you know there's so much I could improve on and so much potential here but I'm so intrigued by it and um just the mountains in general uh, became my passion really in that 2019 altitude camp. And so we went back to Kansas city, COVID hit. This is a very long winded answer. COVID no, hit. no, 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 there's no such thing. <laughs> COVID hit. And I was like, I need to get out of the city. Um, there's nothing to do. I mean, all we have is the outdoors now. And so we ended up going to Breckenridge for about five weeks. Everything was deeply discounted because nobody is traveling. Um, so we camped out there and then we returned back to Flagstaff Um, And this second time around was more of um, an introduction to the community. So I found pretty deep roots in the community there in a pretty quick time, which is really cool um, to be able to meet a close friend group in about two months. 
And then I went back to Kansas City again. I'm like, we need a move. <laughs> There's, I, I can't stay here. I need, I need something to explore. There's nothing to explore. I mean, yeah, relatively speaking, there's no grand adventures um, in the city. So we we moved in 2021. What have you seen as the keys to your success, having been there now for about two years and it sort of kind of mapping almost neatly to your intro into the sport as well? Keys to success. I mean, just being patient, really patient with um, kind of the muscular skeletal demands of mountain running. So, you know, you, you can sort of translate flat road economy, but it's like muscular skeletal. It takes time to be able to go up and down and up and down and um, beat up your body and um, recover from that and make those adaptations. So, I mean, I tell a lot of people, I mean, I walked a lot of mountains before I ever ran mountains. So um, there's no shame in doing a lot of hiking, a lot of walking. I still do that in training. You know, my doubles, a lot of times they're not running. They're, They're power hiking, they're hiking. It's easy on the body. Um, and you, you still make those same adaptations. It's patience with it. Who are you training with? Ooh, there's a lot of great people in Flagstaff. Um, so I'm part of the Aravipa race team and conveniently quite a few of them are located up, um, in Northern Arizona. So, um, you probably know Georgia Porter. She's a hot name these days, dominating kind of the longer hundred mile races. Um, I run with her quite a bit, uh, Sadly, I think she's moving towards more of the flat runnable races and I'm moving towards the more gnar, um, really, really <laughs> technical stuff. And she doesn't love that quite as much as I do, but we still run quite a bit together. Um, we have Nicole Hansen, who is on their Air Vipa team as well. She's, she's, um, she'll push me on flat runs. I, I need her to keep my flat running economy, my, my running speed. So I run with her. Um, I know Preston was on this podcast. Preston's who I go yeah. to if I have a kind of insane backcountry route that no one else <laughs> will touch. And I'm like, hey, you want to go spend eight, nine hours hiking off trail in the middle of nowhere? <laughs> Preston's like, yeah, wait, where do I show up? Um, yeah, there's a, there's a good mix. I mean, all sorts that we have, we have quite a few talented runners up there that are, you know, popping in and out. I mix it up quite a bit. In terms of like, how you measure progress or, or inspiration. Do you, do you get more comfort from organizing a lot of your runs in sort of like a group format or do you like to do a lot of solo stuff? I'd say it's like, I, I mean, I don't know if I'd say it's a group format. I, I team up with one, maybe two individuals um, pretty often, but not usually in a group setting. And I'd say like at the beginning of a block when it's less specific you can get more people to join you and as a block it's more specific at the end of it you know we're kind of going off and do like i needed to do hard climbing like very long runs with certain specific intensity on terrain that most people don't want to run on for cape town so you know it got a little more lonely as the months progressed but i try to I, I intentionally seek people, um, seek out people to run with because that keeps me motivated and the social aspect of it is really fun and stimulating for me. Getting more towards Cape Town, what has intrigued you about this race? What, what brings you to the race? What brings me to the race? Um, I love loop courses. I love a good loop. Um, and this is a nice, beautiful loop showcasing um, some beautiful climbs in Cape Town. Um, 
it's really rugged and intense. I'm sure you've seen photos um, and spoken to other people who have raced it, but there's a lot of rocks. The terrain just looks crazy. I've seen people scrambling. I love scrambling. So um, there's little bits of everything to it. And I love a good challenge. There's quite a bit of climbing to it. So, I mean, those are, those are aspects I look for um, in a race. I'm trying to think what else. I mean, obviously my friend, who won the free trail he was going one of the things that's prevented me from really going international quite yet is um the cost associated it's quite costly mm. to travel when you're not supported in any way so um having a friend to go split costs with made sense this year um but yeah it has uh a lot of the aspects of running that i like um technical rocky very similar to arizona arizona is a great place to train for it so i've heard We'll see if that actually translates. And, and it's to your point about like going international, it's tough too when there's so much awesome domestic stuff. Like your oh, yeah. schedule this year is like high lonesome, broken arrow. Did, yeah. did you go back east too in, in the spring? I did. I did breakneck. That was a world breakneck, yeah. That was yeah. that was a wild course. I don't know if I would um, return to that course specifically, but there's some very neat races, like hard races out there. Yeah, it, it truly is the beast coast, at least in some sections. Um, I, I pulled this quote from your Instagram. You said, quote, finally, I feel like I have pieced together the skill set and the resilience to handle this course, um, which I think kind of pairs nicely with what you said earlier about sort of like getting your body ready for the musculoskeletal demands of trail running. Talk about this because you've been in the sport for two, two and a half years now. I would still consider you like a relative newcomer on the scene in terms of like getting to that sort of like professional level but uh yeah like what what are those skill set components what are those resilience components that have mattered to you yeah so i i think for quite a while um in my 20s i just felt rather breakable um i have you know i'm tall and what is one of the compromising elements of breakdown during these long endurance events is um, energy leak. And so the longer, longer, the taller you are, the more opportunity for energy leak. So, you know, you have to be quite strong and you have to put quite a bit of muscle mass or to an extent, a, a decent amount of muscle mass on you to withstand um, climbing and descending uh, thousands and thousands of feet for hours on end. So um, that didn't happen overnight. That's another, another one of those things that um, strategically working with um, some of the best physio you know, physiotherapists or strength and conditioning coaches in Flagstaff um, really helped me get to a point where my body seems pretty bulletproof. I'm not injured. Um, I'm able to stack much larger weeks um, than ever before. And my body has the capacity for much higher load. Um, so I draw a lot of comfort in that and that I can, I'm in a place where I really, really fully trust my body. You know, I can be out mm. there for 20 plus hours. And I know my T band's not going to blow up. My, I'm like, you know, my, my back's not going to give out something other than me falling, which happens more than I'd like to admit. Um, my body's very structurally sound. Um, yeah, I don't know if that answers the question, but yeah, it, it, that, that feeds then into your mental um, strength. So you, you could trust your body and then mentally you're fortified to be able to um, just switch focus on other things like, you know, nutrition and, you know, mental awareness and, uh, breaking down the race, knowing you can confidently push and back off when needed and compete at a level that you desire. 
And, you know, going back to what you said earlier about college and that sort of being the place where you started to gain trust in this process and that ability, it's cool that it's been this, like, we'll call it eight, 10 year build. Right. And I think that like the final piece, the mindset is huge. Yeah. And I'm not going to say I have the mindset piece worked out yet. I definitely feel like I've been listening to things on repeat, various mindset, audiobooks and coaches and that's that's the tricky part. It's different for everyone. Um, there's there's skill sets you can hone and uh, perfect, but I think it actually comes through the competition and the racing itself. So you could practice it to an extent in your own training, but you're not going to be out there for, yeah, like 10, 20 hours in training. So those are when you get into the dark moments and actually <laughs> pull that out and try it. <laughs> Well, I got to I got to do a little bit of inception here in reference a quote within a quote, but I was just talking with Marianne Hogan for this mm-hmm. preview and I don't know if it was in that interview or, or what she said after Bandera last year, but she basically said it's it's very hard to beat a person who's having fun. And you've kind of said something similar where you you, you kind of talked about Cape Town saying this has been one of the most fun, one of the most feel good training cycles of my career. So, would you say that that has added to sort of the mental confidence as well? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, if you're excited about the runs that you're putting together for training and those, I mean, it it all comes back to like, are you aligning what your passions are or what you actually love about the sport with the races that you choose? And then naturally, you know, when you get into the specific phase of your training, you're absolutely psyched to get on, um, you know, various courses that you've made to simulate the actual race. Like some of the long runs I've done have been the most fun, the best the best days I've had this fall. And even if the race is a total wash, I can look back um, at all the, you know, long runs of projects, um, various objectives I had this fall. And they were so fun and so cool. And just that in and of itself leaves me very, very satisfied. I've got to ask you about the competition at this race, given that you're, you're so up to date on this stuff. You probably know more than I do, if I'm being honest. Um, who's exciting you on this star line? Who are you looking forward to running with and why? man there's a there's a lot of my well some yeah my heroes out there, the role models in the sport ruth croft um is obviously an incredible athlete um, so humble and just you know graceful in the way she goes about competing and she's actually training in flagstaff last year um and i was supposed to share a run with her and she got covid so i guess i'll get to meet her officially um hopefully in cape down and then Obviously, Marianne Hogan is so happy. I don't think I've met a more joy. Well, I've not met her, but I, I have not followed a more joyful, happy, upbeat, enthusiastic athlete. And like, how can you not be pumped to run with someone who's just loving every step of that race and loving the grind and the hurt deep in their race? I don't think I've ever seen her without a smile on her face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's cool. Leah, obviously, um, hometown hero for you. Leah yep. is a remarkable talent here in the U.S. And um, I've had the pleasure of meeting her, but I've never shared miles. So, yeah, those three, very, very excited to hopefully be up there with them um, for quite a few miles. Um, I'll go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I mean, on the guy's side, too, there's it's it's pretty stacked. It's it's incredible the the depth that this race has pulled this year. So it's exciting. I think the last thing I want to ask you in this particular conversation is another quote. All I got, all I got is quotes in this interview. And, uh, you, uh, you, you have this sort of like choice when you're evaluating a race and you say like, it's, you can either look at it through the lens of being happy with your result or being happy with your process. 
And I'd love for you to talk more about that distinction because I think that's a really interesting way to think about the ways you can evaluate something and why one might be better than the other. That's a, that's a good question, Finn. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously your process or your journey or how you go about getting somewhere um, is one of the more fulfilling parts and pieces of it. And, you know, you'll hear everyone say you're not going to learn much from a from a win. So if your process is perfect and then you win the race, you're not going to learn anything from it. Um, you know, I, I've had a really smooth build up to this, but I mean, it, it has still had tons of hiccups in it. It's still like, you know, I was out a week and a half with a bone contusion and, you know, I, I fell more times than I'd like. I'm always creaking. I mean, those, those undulations in the process, um, those, those, um, unpredictable elements, I think build resilience and just taking in everything as it comes with you. Um, and then when you do get the result, I mean, the results are, they're very satisfying. They, they enforce or reinforce the fact that hard work does pay off. And I think that's important to feel like you're gaining mastery over something. Um, mm. But I think it's important to go into it realizing that, you know, like the, the results, you know, they're not going to come every time unless you're maybe Courtney DeWalter. So, you know, putting maybe I would say more emphasis on the process and you know, set appropriate outcome goals. Um, and then, you know, try to make your average days still some of them very solid, you know, you can still podium on your average days, um, with the right, right goals in mind. Maybe one more question. And I think we've, you've already done a great job of communicating, you know, what you were happy with in the, in the specific process for Cape Town, but maybe looking at, you know, like breakneck and, and broken arrow and high lonesome, what were some of the learnings there that might've might be contributable to uh to cape town as well um i think anything after high lonesome from like a time on feet perspective will seem like <laughs> nothing i mean being out there what 26 almost 27 hours um just in training that's made you know a, a six seven eight hour run feel short so that's really kind of reframed <laughs> how how long long actually is um and then I, breakneck was 10 out of 10, the most technical race I have ever done. So kind of the mental, like staying mentally engaged, that was only what, four hours, but still um, this race, Cape Town is going to require, you know, mental focus for very long periods of time. Like, you know, mm. it's it pretty much you're always on uh, talking yourself through how to navigate technical terrain. So that combined with the fact that anything <laughs> under 15 hours probably will feel relatively short, I think is going to set me up um, to have a better mental game than, than maybe awesome. where I was at last year. Awesome. Well, Lindsay, we're, we're, we're super excited to follow your race next weekend. Thank you so much for your time, uh, the wisdom, the generosity and your answers. We'll make sure to link to all of your social media in the show notes. Any final thoughts or, uh, I don't know, calls to action that you might have for listeners and viewers before we go? Off the top of my head, I don't think so. But thanks thanks for having me, Finn. It's been great chatting. Before we go, one more thank you to Oladance. Oladance makes headphones tailored almost perfectly for the mountain ultra trail running scene. Their OWS2 headphones, for example, have up to 19 hours of battery life, and their open-ear design means you can wear them all the time without developing ear pain. If you're listening to this episode before November 30th, Oladance has a Black Friday sale going on, offering discounts of up to 25% off across their entire headphone range. Head over to oladance.com, that's O-L-A-D-A-N-C-E.com to check it all out.